The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, Proverbs has so many just wonderful promises, just so many great realities that if we implement them into our lives, there's just going to be blessing and good results. One of those is Proverbs 16.3. My goodness, what a great verse. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Well, we're going to look at these and great other promises in Proverbs, and this is Exploring the Word, the show that we look at the Bible the scriptures, and we take Bible questions, and we're going to get to that later on in the program, but we want to welcome you. Uh, Alex McFarlane here, and it's good to have with us Bert Harper. I know, Bert, <laughs> last week I was traveling, a little bit you were traveling. Yeah. You had quite an exciting day, if I am correct on this, on Thursday. You got to pray before the Mississippi State Legislature, didn't you? I did. It was quite a privilege. Uh a House of Representatives, I was there to pray. Randy Boyd, who is a representative here in Northeast Mississippi, listens to AFR, exploring the word, and he asked me to come down. Matter of fact, we go a long way back, Alex. We played high school basketball against one another. That's how far back that goes, and uh, you never know where those connections come from, and then you reconnect, but it was a joy and a treat, so to be a part of that, to to open in prayer, and so yes, I did. I it was a great joy of mine. So thank you for your prayers for me to be praying. Well, Amen, Amen. And again, speaking of prayers, folks, as you you probably have heard because everybody's talking about it, there is a move of God coming out of Kentucky there at Asbury uh, College and Seminary. We thank God for that, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But I, I do want to say this today. Uh, the world commemorates Valentine's. And Bert, we hear a lot about love, but really, biblically, love is not always the emotion or just the the feelings that the world associates with love. Um, Love, biblically, as Augustine said, love is seeking the highest good of another. And God, the Bible says God so loved the world he, he showed true love. He sent his son to be our Savior. That was real love, wasn't it? It really was. And, and honestly, seeking the benefit of those others rather than yourself, that's a strike against our nature. We're basically selfish. Now, I, most women, especially mothers, they're usually very what some people call self-giving, giving themselves, nurturing. Some men are. But I, I want to just tell you, uh, that is a love that is uh, cannot be compared to anything that man can even think of, the love that God has for us. And if you don't know that love today, Jesus Christ paid the price. He would come live a perfect life without any wrong, no sin, go to the cross. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him through Christ. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again, overcoming our two enemies, Alex, sin and death. What a blow that was to our enemies. Sin and death just laid out before him. That's in Christ. And if you haven't experienced that, we've got partners that we would love for you to call Triple Eight and need him. Triple Eight need him. They're ready. They will help you. They will pray with you. And so, Alex, there's nothing like knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, isn't he? He really is. He really is. And we're going to be in Proverbs 16 and go over that and uh, get caught up a little on 17. You know, I was speaking of love, true love, and as you're so right that God's love is selfless love. Uh, the love of God, the heartbeat of God, is a heart to serve. Uh, Bert, we've all helped raise children, and it's funny, um, even when toddlers are just learning to speak and getting a vocabulary, it, I'll tell you three phrases. You, you don't even have to teach a child because it's in there. It's mine. I saw it first. I was here first. Give me. And, and it's almost like those words of selfishness 
come almost preloaded, don't they? They really do. And it reveals who we are. And listen, uh, thank God that God looked beyond our fault and saw our need. And that's exactly what he wants to do in your life today. Valentine's Day. Everybody said it'd be a great day to be married. I, I heard of a guy. He and his wife were married on Valentine's Day. He said, surely I can't forget both of those on the same day. <laughs> and uh, But it is a great day to demonstrate love. And so, guys and ladies, uh, love the spouse that God has given you. That husband, that wife that God's given you, uh, thank God for them. And men, uh, if you've been so blessed to have a wife, then you make her feel like the queen of the world today. I mean, do that, really. But, um, hey, Bert, I want to, as we get ready to read Proverbs 16, verse 4, uh, I want to mention a name that uh, folks might have remembered. There was a man named Abraham Kuyper. Uh, he lived a long time. He lived 1837 to 1920. He was the prime minister of the Netherlands, and he was talking about the sovereignty of God. And he said, every square inch of this universe, God legitimately can look and claim mine, because everything is under the, the watchful eye of the Creator. Now, the Bible says, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil or the day of judgment. Um, now, God is not the creator of evil. Uh, there are people that live righteously, people that live unrighteously. But Bert, verse 4 of Proverbs 16, I think, speaks of the sovereignty of God, that this universe, the human race, uh, everything, in fact, that's why we are kind to animals, because they belong to God. That's why, I, Bert, I'm not an environmentalist, but I don't like litter, and I don't like Amen. waste, yep. because this is God's world, not mine. We are stewards of what God has given us, and God has given us this world, and we're to be the keepers of it, the stewards of it. Yes, you're exactly right. Matter of fact, verses 1 through 4, I think all have to do with some of the sovereignty of God in some way. But verse 4 is clearly, I was reading about it, and someone says it means God has no loose ends. In other words, when it comes to the very end, everything that God has said and done, it will be tied. It's like in a knot. It's going to be there. God has no loose ends. So what you want to do is make sure you're right with God because it talks about even the wicked for the day of doom. You don't want to be on that side of, of God's sovereignty. You want to be on the sovereignty that it says that he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. That's God's sovereignty for you, desiring you to have a relationship with him that's real. So, Alex, in, in verse 5, I think it continues, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though the joined forces are hand-to-hand, none will go unpunished. Now, listen, everyone who is a proud heart, let me just share with you, is there a sin that's probably worse or more dangerous than any other sin. And, yes, I know we're living in the day of, of homosexuality being uh, trying to be become a part of our society, accepting, okay, transgenderism, abortion on demand being. No, the biggest, the biggest issue is pride. Alex, that was the first thing that got Lucifer out of heaven. He said, I want to be like the Most High. That's an issue of pride. In here in verse 5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Alex, uh, humi- have you noticed God just honors humility? That's, that's the he bottom does. line, doesn't he? he? Absolutely. He really does. And uh, you know what? We have no reason to be prideful. We really don't because if it weren't for the Lord Jesus, none of us would have anything, life, skills, abilities, accomplishments, any good thing we have in life is due to the grace of God. Uh, and that's these verses are worth meditating on over and over. Yeah. Uh, verse 6, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's true. Now here is a theme in verse 8 that we've heard repeatedly in the book of Proverbs, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Bert, we've, we've seen many verses that we've gone over before about how it'd be better to have just a few crumbs 
and morsels in a house full of love than great feasts in a house of strife. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. Now, verse 10 and 11 really kind of go together because it's talking about that uh, a, a king will speak righteousness and a just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. Yeah. His authority, uh, isn't that? The king yes. should set an honest agenda. Matter of fact, yeah. verses 10 through 15, all, you know, notice how many times the word king or kings is. And it, to- it really, yes, I, I'm talking about leadership of a country, but any kind of leadership, when you're in that place of leadership, the responsibility you have for just kindness, right, uh, Alex, um, to whom much is given, much is required. I'd say verses 10 through 15 demonstrate that in a great way. Well, let me put it this way. There's government and there's culture. Government is about laws. Culture is about lifestyle. And Proverbs affirms righteousness, honesty, character. We could say it in many ways, ethics, morals, honesty, character, righteousness, godliness, truth, so many things. And the Bible is clear. Proverbs is eminently clear. Look, righteousness and character will build you up. The absence thereof will tear you down. We, We need just government, whether it be a king or a congress. We need justice. But then in culture and lifestyle, uh, that means our personal habits. We need righteousness and truth, honesty, and forthrightness also, don't we? We really do. And, and it goes on here. It's much better to get wisdom, verse 16, than go and to get understanding to be chosen rather than silver. You were talking about the different themes. Here's the same theme. Wisdom and understanding, how important they are, more important than gold or silver. And I, I did want to get to verse 18 before in 19. I want to read Amen. them at least before we go to break. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Again, a strike against pride. Alex, how clear it is in Scripture uh, for if pride, if it would get Satan kicked out of heaven, Pride may keep an individual out of heaven if he can't yeah. humble himself before God. So it's it's something today. We want you to get right with the Lord, those of you who are listening, that you might stand before him one day in peace. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, That sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The Bible teaches that when we give, we get. Today, Dr. Tony Evans will help us understand the second half of that equation a little better. You want to turn to Luke 6:38 as we spend two minutes with Tony. I have a snack of choice. I will confess it to you now. They're Zaps potato chips, particularly jalapeno Zaps. Okay, because they got a little kick to them. Okay? So I love jalapeno Zaps. But... I'm starting to decline my eating of zaps because if you will look at them and shake the bag, it's half full. The bag is half full, but it's no longer half price. So that's reason number one, I cut back on zaps. Here's the second reason. I noticed something a little while back that when I ate the zaps out of potato chips, 
the chips are thinner. They didn't cut back on the amount of chips. The bag is half full. And they didn't cut back on the scope of the chips. They are, they are thinner chips for the same price. So when I shake down, press down, good measure, I'm being robbed. But see, that's how the world is. It'll make you think you're getting something and then you'll wind up with half air. Where when God does it, it's packed, it's full, it's complete for his purposes and will in your life, my life, and our lives. So the point is simple. God in grace wants to show you what he wants to freely give you. God's first and most important gift to us is life, eternal life. And that only comes through a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Just visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you today. And right before we get back to Proverbs 16, verse 18, I just want to keep on asking you to pray that the Asbury Revival up in Asbury, Kentucky, the college there, would continue. I know we've updated you, and I'm, we're getting updates and from people that have gone there, been there, and it is exciting, and we're asking God, God, let it spread. And uh, I wish God, I'm praying that God would use AFR in telling the good news and letting it spread. So be praying that, hey, God, do that in our school, do that in our church, do that in our home. And the other thing I wanted to pray about, Alex, is 35,000 plus uh, is the death toll in Turkey and Syria. 35,000 mm. plus. Uh, pray for those Samaritan's purse is already there on the ground helping. Uh, there's so many. So keep those things in mind. Pray for God to intervene in Turkey and Syria and and ask God to continue the blessing in Asbury. So that's, that's your prayer request today. Those of you that are listening, write it down and pray for those things. Alex, go ahead. Yes. Well, you know, uh, back to Proverbs sixteen eighteen. I le- learned this in VBS when I was a little bitty boy. Now, Bert, it would be many years before I would really understand what it meant to walk with Jesus, but it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And i got to tell you, uh, I remember I was probably seven years old or something like that, and we had had VBS, and we learned that verse, right? And so my family went on vacation down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And, Bert, do you remember a long time ago, motels used to have, it would be a, a light blue fiberglass sliding board. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. And I will never forget, we were at this pool. I was just, I don't know, probably seven. And the sliding board, there was a sign on it, uh, do not use, don't get on here. <laughs> and I thought, Nobody's looking. I'm going to do it. I want to ride this sliding board down into the pool. And I I remember in my mind, I was thinking about this, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Well, unbeknownst to me, one of the steps on this ladder was, was loose. So nobody's looking, and I start climbing up this sliding board, and I fell off. Oh, man. And hit the ground. And it was, you know, six or eight feet. Concrete, I I guess, Ross. And it was, yeah. and I thought, oh, my goodness, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, let me just say that was one of the things, and I guess <laughs> I was kind of a, a hardhead growing up, but I began to realize that you need to trust the Lord, and you need to do right, and God and godly people put rules in place for a reason, don't they? They really do, and... Oh, it won't happen to me. That's dangerous. That really is pride thinking of that. Well, let's go on because this has got 33 verses in it, and we may not get to all of them, but 20 is we need to read. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Now, notice the combination here, the word and trust in the Lord. This is the combination that you want, the word of God. Uh, We've said it many times. The reason we want to share the Word of God is so you can know the God of the Word. And here it is. He who heeds the Word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, 
happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. The wise in heart. Now listen to that, Alex. Heeding the word, trusting the Lord, wise in heart. And what follows? That which comes out of you, the lips. It'll be wisdom. It will be good, not harmful and difficult and not proudful and haughty. So you start with the word, trust the Lord, get your heart right. That's a pretty good combination, I think, isn't it? Amen. It will. It really is. And uh, so much the connection of the heart, in other words, the, the real you, your soul, your spirit, your priorities. I, I love this in verse 23, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. And what's uh, the, the interesting thing here, you think about, well, you have a thought and then you speak, but in a way it's the, the union of a spirit-controlled mind and then a spirit-restrained mouth. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Now, if James would later say, if we learn to tame the tongue, we really are a mature and godly person. And if we, I think sometimes our lack of spiritual maturity is definitely demonstrated by the <laughs> words we use. But, yeah. but what what a what a powerful picture to teach your mouth and to add learning to your lips. The Holy Spirit of God can help us do that. That is the ministry of God in us to reveal Jesus Christ in us through through our lives and so words and deeds they're they're watching they're listening so what are you demonstrating with your words what are you demonstrating with your actions uh alex uh, that's the reason we examine ourselves if there's any wicked way within us we need to put, confess it and put it aside and through the power of the holy spirit we can do that with our words, we can do it with our actions. And notice verse 24 kind of follows up. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Uh, look for Amen. ways to compliment people. I'm not talking about uh, doing it in a way that is false and obscure, but, I, you know, find something good in someone. Have you ever heard, if you can't find something good, don't say anything and uh, now, sometimes we got to. We have to speak truth. We have to say that. But I, I just want to tell you, uh, try, try, especially with children. Uh, with children, they need to be encouraged. Now, they don't need to be lied to and think, oh, you're the greatest thing since this. No, be honest with them and work with them. But they do need to be complimented. That, you know, wives yes. and husbands, yes. they need to to, you know, share good with them. I, I know this about me. When it starts off, uh, somebody that comes and they have something negative to say about me, which there's plenty to say, and I, I say that truthfully. I'm not trying to get anything, but that's truthfully. But when they start off with that, I have a tendency to want to defend myself. But mm. if the Apostle Paul did this so well, even to the church at Corinth that was one of the most I would say morally corrupt churches in the New Testament. What did he call them to begin with? Saints. He started off with a at least an honest evaluation of who they were in Christ, and then he came. You you don't need to do this. You don't need to take your brother to court. You don't need to eat that meat. And so, Alex, uh, this pleasant this pleasantness of the words uh, it can go a long way in helping people to listen when you have something to say to them. Amen. Amen. Sweet words to the to the soul, their health to the bones. And we know uh, we all love a compliment or, as we say, an attaboy. Now, verse 25 is a very, very famous verse, and it's a very true verse. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Bert, um, I want to get all this chapter because it's so rich. But look, there is a way that seems right. Folks, this is why it is imperative to lean on the Word of God. Because, look, for one thing, even the most intelligent humans are still fallen, limited human beings. Even we, we tell ourselves, okay, I got this. I, I'm capable. And, you know, there, there's, there's confidence and then there's arrogance, you know? Yes. And, and there's, there is one thing to be... Um, uh, confident in a healthy way. It's another thing to be overconfident. 
And let me just say, the ways of a man that he told himself would be okay very often have led to death and destruction. That's why we need to put our plans before the Lord and say, honestly, Lord, what would you have me to do? Well said, Alex. Now, what you want to do is look at verse 2 in this same chapter in verse 25. He's really driving this point home about man wanting to go his own way. Verse 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his what? Own eyes. We want to justify ourselves. We want to say, well, I have a right to feel this way. I had a right to say those words. I had a right to do what I do. There's a way that seems right to a man. It may seem right to you. You may rationalize it. You may justify it. A person that you're listening to, if you're listening and you're trying to do that, a person can do that. I can do that. I want to tell you what is the result. It ends in the ways of death. Now, if you do that for as your soul and trust in Jesus Christ, some other way other than God's way in Jesus Christ and faith in him, it ends in hell, the death, the second death, as it's called. But if you as a Christian, if you're trying to justify sin in your life, if you as a believer, a follower of Christ, you're listening today and you're trying to justify uh, an, a, an affair you're having, you're trying to justify the, the way you add, treat someone, listen, that ends, the end result is destructive, Alex. And so yes. we, we can justify, have you noticed this? We either justify or confess that's our yeah, sin. That, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, uh, John Piper, the very famous preacher, John Piper, he said, too many of us are in the business of sin management rather than repentance. Yes. And uh, Tony Evans, on a similar theme, said you'd be better off to try to uh, arm wrestle with a cobra snake than to think that you could manage sin. And uh, we, we just can't do it. Verse 26 is an interesting verse, I believe, on two levels. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. Now I want to read it in the ESV. It says, a worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. It, it, here are my two takeaways from this. For one thing, um, you've heard people say, well, so-and-so is driven. Some, whether you say motivated or they've got initiative or they're, they're very proactive or industrious, entrepreneurial, um, you want something, work for it. That's okay. Bert, it, it's not wrong to have things. If you work for it, you keep God first. But also, let me say this. He that labors, labors for himself. I want to say this. Um, it's biblical to be able to keep what you earn. Um, the Bible you mean it's not to, the states for them to divvy no. out as they see fit? The Bible says it is good for a man to enjoy the work of his hands. Isn't that something? It is. We do not believe in confiscatory taxation and the redistribution of wealth. No. Uh, if you are willing to work, you ought to be able to enjoy the fruit of what you so sacrificed for. Alex, that verse says this also. Uh, ben Franklin, I forgot exactly quote, but he was talking about a man poverty should drive them to work to, so they could feed themselves. And, yeah. and what you want to do, there's a difference in a hand up and a handout, and I know that's a cliche, but listen, uh, the book of Proverbs promotes a working society. He, it promotes working to feed yourself, to house yourself, to clothe yourself, not for others to do it for you when you can do it yourself. And so that's the whole idea of it. Verse 27, and the godly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire, a perverse man, so strife. A whisper separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Now listen to these words. An ungodly man, a perverse man, a whisper, a violent man. I hope that's not describing anyone who's listening today. Uh, if you're listening and you fall into that category, an ungodly, perverse, it. You've perverted everything um, concerning marriage. You've perverted everything concerning your life of violence. You're you just filled with violence and anger 
and you whisper and you uh, it's called backbiting and whispering and getting a whispering campaign going against someone. Alex, verses 26 through uh, through 30, man, it tells you don't be these kind of people. It really strikes a note against them. Arsh. It, well, very much so, very much so. And talking about, you know, speaking ill to your neighbor and uh, leading him in the way that is not good, verse 29. In other words, provoking somebody, yep. uh, stirring things up to uh, a place where, you know, they otherwise wouldn't have gone. Uh, verse 30 and following, he shuts his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he brings evil to pass. Uh, verse 31, the hoary head, and that's, that's white hair, is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. In other words, it's a beautiful thing to get old with Jesus, to mature. Uh, I know we live in a, a culture of youth, and you know it's almost, they talk about even people like actors can't get a, a role after a certain age. But in God's economy, maturity and length of years is a wonderful thing to be desired as long as you're going through the seasons of life with Christ. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit better than he that takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Uh, Bert, again, uh, verse 32 is about self-control and Boy, what strength that is to be able to control your words and your emotions. And then verse 33 speaks to the sovereignty of God, doesn't it? It really does. Let me read it in the New King James, the last lot. But it's every decision is from the Lord. God makes the final decision. Do you understand that? That is the whole lot. We are his creation. He's made it so his creation could be redeemed after sin. And that's why Jesus came. Alex, I want to go back to verse 32 and just say a word. we got one minute left. And he who is slow to anger and he who rules the spirit. Listen, be angry and sin not. And much of that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the spirit has many, many parts of that fruit. The last one is discipline, self-control. And that is control your anger. Yes, there's a time for anger. There's a time that, that it gets to you, but control it. Do not let your anger control you. Listen, that's a, that's a high price to pay when you do mm. that. So we're Thank glad you. you've listened to Proverbs 16. By the way, it'll be Proverbs 18 tomorrow. We had to go backward. So Proverbs 18, read ahead. But right now, we're going to take phone calls. That number that you can call and ask your question, your Bible question, is 888 589 8840. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks One Year Scholarship Program at friendships.org or call 337 433 5022. That's 337 433 5022. The next session begins August 19th. Jenna Ellis in the morning. You need to be very concerned about what your children are being exposed to if they go to a public school or even if they go to a Christian school. Parents are not just allowed, they have a constitutionally protected fundamental right that is God-given to direct the education, well-being, and faith options of their children. Jenna Ellis in the morning, weekdays at 7 Central on American Family Radio. Did you know the abortion pill accounts for over 50% of all abortions? Preborn Ministry continues to stand with women in crisis in their darkest hour and bring hope and life. After Marissa took the abortion pill, she immediately regretted it, but Preborn was there for her. Look at that baby. Look how beautiful he is. Look at that. Abortion pill reversal actually works. Let's hear his heartbeat. Oh, look how strong it is. Oh, praise God. By God's amazing grace, this baby was saved, but many more need our help. 
to learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As Apostle Paul navigated torrential ministerial waters in Ephesus, he sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him as an advance team to Macedonia. Paul also includes Erastus as one who greeted the church at Rome in Romans 16.23, in which Paul described Erastus' job as the city treasurer in Corinth. In 1929, archaeologists in Corinth discovered a mid-first century Latin inscription that read, Erastus, in return for his edelship, laid the pavement at his own expense. The modern equivalent of a first century edel would be a city manager. The Bible is trustworthy. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Well, it is Valentine's Day, February 14. The world is talking about love, and we are so grateful for the love of the Lord that's offered to all people. And do you know God loves you? I just want to say this. Believe it. uh, Rejoice in it. God loves you. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. The number, we're going to take your Bible questions. It's 888-589-8840. 589-8840. Bert Harper is one of the keynote speakers that will be with us in Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. It's one of our Biblical Worldview and Apologetics conferences. The theme, Truth Matters, Confronting the Issues That Will Shape Your Future. We're going to have Abe Hamilton, Will and Mickey Addison, Love Worth Finding, the Ministry of Adrian Rogers is helping us promote this event. And we'll have youth sessions on all sorts of topics. I'll be there as well. We're going to be in Paris, Tennessee, Tennessee Valley Community Church. It's going to be amazing. You better register because space is limited. Incredible equipping and training. And Bert, yes, we're going to be praying together for God to move in our nation. It's April 21 through 23. The website, if you just, the best way would be to go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com. And we would love to see you in Paris, Tennessee at the end of April. We really would, and what a lineup you have, and we're looking forward to being with them and being a part of that. Well, we've got people lined up. We're going to get to as many phone calls as we can today. So the first call is to Aaron in Mississippi. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, how y'all doing today? Doing great. Um, uh, y'all, y'all should have just said my name all ago when you were talking about uh, trying to justify things. <laughs> That you know we catch yourself doing it and all that, but anyway, uh, Bert touched on the uh, subject of uh, uh, being slow to anger, and I've always had this question and, and never really got a, a good answer to it. But um, is, is is there ever a, a good time to, I guess, basically just let loose, but not let your anger control everything you do? Like there's certain situations where you'll get. You know, things should make you mad. Like if some, like if somebody does something to a loved one, your kids, your spouse, or something like that, you know. And, I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to just go take somebody's life or whatever, but how, how, do, you, how do you really control yourself to not, to not let it get so far you can't get back in? Aaron, thank you for your call. It is right on. It's right where most folks live. Uh, you're not the only one. Let me give this illustration. I remember I I took physical geology in college, an unusual course. It was an awesome course. And we learned things about the volcano. We also learned about geysers. Volcanoes are under pressure, and and it puts it down and puts it down until there's an earthquake, is there an eruption, and all of a sudden that lava comes up and it destroys everything around it. 
that's a volcano. Whereas a geyser, the pressure builds up, but it releases it every so often, and it's at a safe. You're at a safe distance from it, and it does not destroy. So what you want to do with your anger is keep it under control, even when it is beyond measure. And Aaron, you said it. Doing something to a loved one, I, you know, uh, matter of fact, God kind of let that take place in His. Uh, government when in the period of the judges, uh, there's the kinsman redeemer that was a part of the family member that would go and and find the person who did the injustice and bring them to the point to sit before the judges at the gate and them decide, Alex. And uh, so God, God wants us to have anger toward certain things. We want to say, well, it's really not anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Psalm 4, verse 4, be angry and sin not. And, Bert, let me just say this, and and I know we've got to move on, but uh, you hear so many sad news stories, very tragic, about uh, sometimes a young person will just lose their temper and maybe even murder their parent or something like that. Part of the way that we can train ourselves to um, handle our emotions and not as we say, fly off and do something out of rage. We've got to keep in view that there is a God in heaven who sees all things. God knows our heart. God has information that I just don't even know about yet. And sometimes I think people lash out in rage because they've lost all hope. But when you've got Jesus and you know somehow, Romans eight twenty eight, even though I'm disappointed, my heart is heavy, but God is going to work at all things for my good. You know, Bert, what helps us maintain our emotions and not do things that are foolish, if not tragic, is we keep God in view, don't we? We do, and Aaron, thank you for that good call. hope it gave you a little bit to say that, uh, yeah, there's some anger, but don't, no destruction, not destructive, and so, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath, your anger. Uh, help keep God in view. Thank you. Let's go to Louisiana. Daniel, welcome. Hi. Welcome, welcome brother. Hi. I'm I'm calling about my family has this debate on marriage, whether it's the normative pattern in the New Testament, and my my brother Stephen says that. It's not. We don't have one example. Like it's not the normative pat- pattern because we don't have one example of uh, a Christian in the New Testament getting married before they got saved. And Jesus and his disciples, except for Peter, were single, and, um, and Peter was married before he was saved. And the pattern throughout church history has been for um, celibacy, um, but then. My dad and, and I and most of my family b- believe that, you know, um, marriage is the normative pattern. And uh, we, we both agree, we all agree that marriage is a good thing, but, um, well, know. Let me throw a couple of yeah, go ahead. verses out here, if you don't mind. Uh, first of all, in Hebrews, it says, Hebrews thirteen four, marriage is honorable in all things, and the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, marriage, you know, clearly, you know, Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. That's John 10, 35. And the Scripture to his audience would have been the Old Testament, where, you know, in Genesis two twenty four, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. So then you've got like Hebrews thirteen four that marriage is honorable in all things, and the bed, and that speaks of marital intimacy, uh, the Greek word is very clear. This is talking about marital intimacy between a husband and wife. But then 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 14, and Bert, I'll throw it to you. Uh, clearly, marriage, traditional marriage, is the norm because it says uh, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to the wife and also the wife to the husband, First uh, Corinthians 7, Bert, I, I believe the Testaments are in agreement with each other, old and new, 
that God made one man for one woman for one lifetime. It is, and Jesus talked about it. Paul was, uh, you know, we we don't know everything. He was talking about all the apostles. We don't know everything about them in their uh, marital status. We know for Peter for sure, but uh, so that is presuming on some things that may or may not be true. I agree with you, normative. Daniel, thank you for your call. Hope that helps. Let's go to Texas. Cynthia, welcome. Oh, hi. Yes, you're on. Go right ahead. Oh, yay. Okay. My question is regarding um, individuals who claim to be Christian who sit at a political capacity who aren't necessarily making decisions nor treating individuals uh, Christ-like. So what is the best way to approach that situation? Um, Should one actually... uh, approach the situation and confront the individual or just kind of let the Lord take care of it? Okay. Uh, let me tell you, it's according to how close they are with family. Alex, we've talked about family and the difficulty of families and, and, and them being from a different political. What you want to do, Cynthia, is do your best to concentrate on a biblical worldview with a the Holy Spirit of God leading you. And if you can do that, and Alex does a great job apologetically, he does that, but it is to have a biblical worldview. And if you can do that and state it in a Christ-like way, that's where you do it and let God God take care of that. We're talking about the anger stuff. God's going to take care of that. He'll take care of the political issues uh, that way as well. You know, Alex? Yes, he will. Folks, the number is 888-589-8840 if you've got a Bible question. Bert and I would be very honored to hear from you. Bert, where shall we go next? We'll go to Jack in Louisiana. Welcome, Jack. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Appreciate your uh, program. Well, we thank you for uh, calling, brother. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and go on a limb and say the two of you are not on the prosperity gospel bandwagon. <laughs> uh, good and, uh, good, you don't have to look good guess, Jack. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to look any further than Jesus' closest disciples. They certainly weren't wealthy. But where can you go in the Bible to to show people that's that's not true? Okay, great question. Prosperity gospel. What I was shocked at, Alex, and let me and you you, you answer this quickly. But I was shocked at some of the poor and poorer nations that's in Africa, third world countries. And the prosperity gospel there is just overwhelming how they they want it. Now, what's prosperous for one generation or one country may not be prosperous for the other. But uh, there's, you know, it says, what shall it gain a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It doesn't seem like God puts a lot of marks on prosperity, you know? Well, you know, great riches is to know Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's prosperity. Now, God is good to us. God blesses us. And, Bert, I, I do think there are some things just woven into the fabric of reality. If you work hard, if you live within your means, if you tithe, if you are industrious and righteous, just inevitably uh, there's, there's going to be increase, you know? But um, really, uh, the Bible warns that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evils, uh, true riches is to know the Savior, Bert, isn't it? It really is. And so uh, Paul said this. Let me give you scripture. And, Alex, you're the best one. Tell us exactly where it is. He said, I know what it's like to be under all conditions. I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to have little. But I have learned whatever state that I'm in, I will be content. What the Bible teaches is that contentment with godliness and, and you, Alex, I think that's pretty clear. That's in Philippians four twelve and 13. Paul said, I've abased and I've abound. I've had a lot. But then it goes on. He says in verse 19 of Philippians 4, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Amen. And uh, we, we want the blessings, but the, the best thing is to know the blesser. Yeah. And that last thing, we got to move on. What are you doing with your prosperity? Yeah. Self or the gospel? Others. Susan in Mississippi, welcome. Um, yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just have a quick question, and I'll listen um, on my air. 
Um, I did want to say that I teach the youth at our church, and um, Alex, we're registered to come to Temple, Georgia in June, and we're looking forward to that. Praise um, God. To our, thank you so Amen. much. That's, that's some of our summer camps. Uh, by the way, the summer youth camps, it's equipretreat.org, Biblical Worldview Camp. But thank you so much. I am sincerely grateful. Yes, we're excited about that. But my question is, um, I had a youth to ask me the other day, um, are there any female angels? And normally I would say no to that, but she was referring to some of the books that were left out or that are not in our Bible that are in the Catholic Bible, maybe. And oh. I'd just like to listen to your answer online. Thank you, Susan. Alex, don't have a lot of call. Give a call because I want to get to it. At least one and more call. Go forgive ahead. me. She said, is there something about angels? Female, the are they female angels? Are there female you know, angels? Um, you know, it, the only time it gives gender regarding to angels is with Gabriel and Michael. But um, Jesus said that uh, in heaven that we are like the angels, neither marrying nor given in angels. But other than Gabriel and Michael, the angels, the gender of the angels is not specified, is it? It is not. And and the angel, I think, uh, can, you know, take on a form that is needed. Uh, you know what I mean, Alex? What is needed? Yes. I really do. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Hope that, thank you for teaching the youth as well. Yeah, Praise exactly. God. Yes. Okay, Texas. Is it Domingo? That's correct. Welcome. Thank you. Don't have a lot of time, so go ahead and state your question, brother. Okay. Well, love you guys. Love the show. And my question was, uh, not to spoiler alert for anybody, but I just finished reading Proverbs right before well, a couple weeks ago, but uh, I just noticed that it's, it kind of repeats itself. Uh, it may change the words a little bit, but for the most part, there are some some things that the Bible states that it it repeats itself a few times. So I just wanted to get your you guys' insight on that and uh, see if y'all had any insight on that. I guess. Okay, Domingo, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be. It's for folks like me that need uh-huh. it to be. I, I'm saying that truthfully, brother. I need to hear it, and I need to hear it in another way to bring it home. And it's important. If it's important, it's usually repeated, isn't it, Alex? It verily, verily, I say unto you, <laughs> truly, truly. And you remember Solomon also wrote Ecclesiastes, and it says, the, the preacher. Do you know Solomon was a king of Israel? And the reason I say Solomon, because he wrote these Proverbs, but he was a preacher. And like all good preachers, sometimes he repeats for emphasis, doesn't he? Yeah, and they close two or three times, too, by the way. Uh, yes, uh, if yes. you read Paul's letters, it sounds like he got a second breath three or four times on those letters. Hey, Domingo, yeah. thank you. Janet, we'd love to have gotten to your call today. Try to call back. We'll, if we see Janet from Texas, we'll put her at the top of the list if you can call back. Alex, it's been great to be with you. And Proverbs 18 tomorrow, it, you think it's going to take a downward spiral or you think it'll hold its own? Oh, it'll hold its own, of course. It's <laughs> yes. the Word of God. Amen. It's uplifting. Amen. So we appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word. Tell someone about AFR and Exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.